Welcome to the podcast that inspires the American dream through hard work and adventure. Our wide range of guests will give you a unique insight into their crafts, professions, and experiences. So sit back, enjoy, and have a laugh. Thanks for tuning in. This is the Free Range American Podcast. There's no clapping necessary for free nope. range. We're just going to start off awkward like that every single time. I like that. No clapping necessary. This no is free clapping. range American, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. We're just here in Vegas uh, with another amazing guest. Of course, we have Evan Hafer. I am Matt Torn Hamstring Best because I'm fat and old. And Jared Fat Taylor over there. Hey, I'm Ooh. losing a little bit of weight, but you guys did talk me into You say that again. literally every episode. <laughs> no matter the episode. You don't think I look he good? Says, you know what? You, these are consistent pieces of information that Jared puts out almost every episode. I stopped drinking. Yep. And I'm losing weight. Literally every episode you've said that for fucking how many episodes have we done now? Listen, all of them. Like like six hundred. What you know, I did have a big lunch. There was a shellfish (laughs) involved, so I'm a little puffy. Well, if there's um, any help for you to get fit, we have some MMA trainers in here. One of them being the one and only John Kavanaugh, which is an Irishman. A uh, former mixed martial artist, a mixed martial artist coach, a third degree black belt in jiu-jitsu, and I believe a second degree black belt in karate. Karate. Welcome, man. Shit. Welcome here. Thank you very much. Yeah, there was a lot of a lot of chatter about you on the on the on our fan base uh, side because uh, you know we both put up those pictures from last night, and they're like, Dude. no way. No, I only posted the ones with their shirts on. I kept the ones away. Yeah, with those us, other ones. The, yeah. Those are on Dave's camera, actually. So. I thought us shaving each other's back hair would be weird, so I just didn't publish that. that. For the no. internet. Come on. I very rarely, I very rarely see Matt fanboy about anybody. Like anybody. Do you know I've never asked anybody. someone for a photo until last night, really? Like ever? <laughs> that is the first time that you've ever. No. ever. There's only actually one other guy. Who? Rogan. No, I've never got a photo with Rogan. I met him like I know, two you, or three times in there. Got, you got a little bit nervous when we were when we were talking to Rogan that one time. Yeah, that's fair. But I'm just like a the huge. First time, the second time is fine because I'm a huge mixed martial art yeah, fan. You guys exactly. know that's the only sport I watch. Like I, everybody loves football. And everybody's like, "Oh, it's the fucking playoffs." And I'm like, "I give two fucks about that." Who's fighting in I MMA? Don't know how many goals there are. It's uh, baskets. I don't know football. how many points can be scored in a football. Goal. I don't either. Don't know. <laughs> like I don't even know how many, how big the basket is for the footballs. I don't either. Oh lord, do you do you know anything about MMA at least? Yeah. What the hell? Yeah, I know that. I know, right? I know that when the UFC started, we're going to talk up into weird like <laughs> when the UFC started, there was two rules: no weapons and no eye gouging. That is true. Were you? Were you? Not allowed to bring weapons. I, I, I was just told that, like back in the tank Only cabin these. days, you know? So that's we're, my question for you. So how did you get – because you, you were a fighter before you became a coach, correct? And then I became a lover. Yeah. And then a lover. Mm. So are you a lover and a fighter? I love fighting. Okay. Yeah, oh yeah. That, that works because normally you're, you're, not a, you're a lover, not a fighter. But you're both. I'm both. That's wonderful. I like that. <laughs> but I, I'm, I am super interested, like, how did, how did you start – this entire adventure, man. Like, how, how did you end? Or how did you end up here in Vegas? Like, this is a fucking. Oh, I got a flight. Oh god, it was, uh, <laughs> London direct. It was pleasant. Uh, no, uh, so kind of dabbled in martial arts my whole life, but never took it all that serious. It was more just a hobby. And then, um, if any of you have read my best-selling book, you'd know this, but I'll tell you anyway. Um, which is called, you can plug it, shamelessly plug yeah. your stuff. Go for it, yeah. You're plug the shit out of it, man. Which it was a great title. We talked about this last night. I liked it a lot. I did, I did like the title. But I forgot the title. What's the title? What was it even? 
Well, what they wanted to call it was My Life Outside the Cage. Yeah. Or My Life Inside the Cage. Something that, stupid that, anyway. That sounds fucking awesome. Terrible. Like, that's, <laughs> that's a book I want you, you know the three interns in the marketing department yeah. are like, we've got it. Life in Outside the Cage. It's got, you're like, oh, Listen, God, no. that won't offend anybody. It sounds super fucking benign. <laughs> you know, you're free. You're and outside in, the cage. And the actual book title is? Win or Learn. Win or Learn. And actually, it's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, Right after the fight, when uh, I guess the first time when Connor got his phone, he just texted me, "Well, I guess we tonight we win and learn." So I was like, oh, "That's my second book." Oh, win I like that. Learn. We win <laughs> and learn, which is crazy because I was looking at all the fighters you have under the camp, and then the the the, the fighting uh, places you ha- you guys all work for, which is is it SPG SPG Straight S- Blast Gym. Got it. And that's a huge network of gyms across the United States, which maybe one day we'll have the Black world. Rifle in there. The world, the world. Yeah. which world. is phenomenal. Are you in all, all countries? Um, well, not all, but like almost the ones uh, with running water. The important ones we're in, yeah. Right. That's phenomenal. Man, you guys, because I was, like I said, I was looking at all your fighter lists. You actually have some amazing fighters. Obviously, Connor, people know the camp so well for that. And like I said earlier, congratulations on that win to Cowboy. I love Cowboy, one of my favorite fighters, too. And Me it was too. just a great performance. Me too. And, uh, I think not a lot of people that don't follow MMA very tightly know how much the camp, the coaches actually are participating in a mixed martial art bout. Everybody's like, the fighter just goes out there and he fights. That's what a fighter does. But you guys are reading everything. Throw the left, throw the knee, calm down. I even heard your corner. I think you told him to relax because you started getting that too much pressure. Take your shots, pick your shots. Yeah, yeah. We actually, it was one of the things, there was, he, had, he has a pretty well-known fight, the Bushinger fight. It's uh, It's a really nice finish on it. But in the lead up to that, we were talking about the idea of giving enough time for the referee to stop it. Sometimes, like you see a fighter, he gets a knockdown, they pounce on him, they get so excited, and they throw like a hundred shots, and and so you don't actually give the referee time to step in, and you can actually end up like waking the guy back up again uh, by hitting him in the yeah. head. Oh, you know, so you knock him down, and then you wake him back up again. <laughs> Suddenly, you're tied up in a guard, and Cerrone has uh, some people have fallen fell to Cerrone's guard. He's got a very very dangerous guard, so. We talked about that in the lead up, and you know he's been out of ring for um, over a year now. So it's it's. I don't really believe in ring rust as, as such, but there is definitely this. This can happen in a fight if you haven't fought in a while, where you kind of get a bit over enthusiastic on trying to get the finish. So he, was, sure. he happened to be in the corner, and he was tr- you know kind of went at him, and I was like Connor, Connor, and he looked at me and said, yeah, "Okay," and then he <laughs> then he started picking the shots, and we gave gave Herbert enough time to step in. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you have any like new up and comers that you're super excited about coming out of Ireland? Because do you coach just at one gym, or is there multiple ones that you travel and coach? Yeah, at? so ju- just just one gym in Dublin, SPG uh, Ireland headquarters, and uh, we have a big card now, February twenty second, Bellator is okay. coming to Ireland, and I have sixteen no fighters way. on the card. Holy crap! <laughs> Which I think breaks is a you're not cornering all 16 are you i will be cornering all 16 so that's a long night for you buddy (laughs) (laughs) that's a long is that every fight that's got to be from the undercard all the way to the main card all but two there's 18 fights on the card i've got 16 of them so um but there's a there's a kid on that card um acl the french kid the angel and uh i would it's his pro debut okay i would encourage people to look at him and follow him because he's got something a little bit special that's phenomenal so I'll, I'll admit I haven't read the book, so I apologize. But making the transition from you know fighter to coach, how long ago was that? Like how long did you? Well, when I when I was competing, I was also the coach. You know, I was running yeah. the classes. It was my gym. Gotcha. So 
that was always my role. Like my my last fight, the last fight I ever did, my one of my guys was a, a really good Adrian Dagorski, a really good fighter, and he was the first fight of the night. And I went, I cornered him, I coached mm-hmm. him, cornered him, and then I went backstage and got my hands wrapped, and then I went out and I was the, <laughs> the, the main, nice. <laughs> I was the main event, you know. Um, so I always kind of wore had a dual role right. of, of coach and competitor. And to be honest, I always enjoyed the coaching side of things mm-hmm. better. Um, I did it because I wanted to be experienced in something I was going to spend the rest of my life um, doing. Right, right. And I don't, not that I think that's necessary. I know a lot of fantastic MMA coaches that <clears throat> have not fought. But for me, I wanted to yeah. experience all, all, all sides of it. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of. I was I was always doing both. I feel like being a coach would be pretty awesome because it's almost like a video game. Like probably when you work someone through their career and you level them up and you get them to a point and you're like, oh, okay, I've run this drill so much, but in that same drill, you can take probably an amateur and they're like, what is this? You know, left, right, freak, freaking, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And it, is is that what keeps you? That's so why I find it, it. People say, oh, do you play the the UFC game? Yeah. You know, I say, well, I play with real fighters. <laughs> you know, <laughs> literally in the corner. Um, who said that? I think Max Holloway on I think was oh, it like Rogan that? or something. No, he said something ridiculous. He was like, "Man, I played myself against like Jose Aldo and uh, figure out which shots were landing in the video game, and that's what I did in the no fight." Way. And I'm like, "You got to be. There's no <laughs> fucking way. That's how you like trained your strategy." I mean, who knows? But yeah. So when you're kind of concentrating on coaching, is there there are other guys that you're looking at in the coaching world, and you're saying, okay. I can go to that guy. I can talk to him about how to become a better coach because yes. I can imagine like it's difficult to evolve your skill set. It's very as niche a coach. to sub niche to right? you know who do like, you respect? Like, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, like I'm 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 very lucky. I've I'm, I'm part of a, an international network, and there's a lot of fantastic coaches in that because I, I don't think there's a whole lot of difference to be honest in coaching somebody whether it's jujitsu or boxing or MMA, and uh, we have. <clears throat> In the room, my brother over there, Travis, he's coached world champions in, in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. In Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu so um, I'm, I'm constantly like picking his brain. And we have right. um, Connor originally came from a boxing club. And that coach now is part of the the, the training camp, Phil Sutcliffe. Two-time Olympian. He's brought kids. You yeah. Know, so, yeah, we, we exchange ideas and thoughts and stories. And I'm always learning. What's your favorite thing to coach? Is it Jiu-Jitsu since that's your... Yeah, I would say um, MMA grappling. I find that the most right. satisfying. Oh, the worst rounds, like the wall rounds where you start to get pinned against the wall. Any, anything like that. I, 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 I dearly love Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but there's something about when there's strikes included that changes what you can and can't do on the floor. Right. And some of the, you know, sport Jiu-Jitsu is, is, is that becoming such a niche sport in itself and all these different positions and how they're using, you know, the gi and certain positions he can put themselves in. I'm like, it's fun, but you'd be killed in an MMA fight if you did that. You get your head pounded in. So I like the simplicity that comes with grappling when there's strikes allowed. I, I agree with that, too, because I've been at gyms where they do that, and they're like, hey, gi, gi jiu-jitsu, and you got some, like, ninja down there working your arm who's great at jiu-jitsu, right? He's like a practitioner of it. But you're looking at his face. I'm like, I'm just going to fucking clobber your face in a real fight. And I, and I get it's great to train, but yeah. that's what I've always kind of there done. Was a, like, a, a, a very famous BJJ coach, and he said, well, if you get a black belt and you punch him in the face, he becomes a brown belt. And if you punch him in the face again, he becomes a purple belt. <laughs> <laughs> Every punch lowering him Every down. Every punch, you lose one belt. Yeah. So <laughs> there's, there's certainly a lot of truth to that. And, and our 
the kind of like master behind uh, my coach's coach Chris Howder. Um, he'll you'll be rolling with him sometimes, and it's purely jujitsu. And then suddenly he'll just smack you in the face. And you're like, oh. And he's like, yeah. Be be ready. You know, you're putting yourself in a like dumb that. position there. And it's just like, pat. <laughs> you know, he's one of the uh, the dirty dozen, one of the first twelve American black belts. Really? Um, yeah. When what when what time did that happen? Was that in like the nineties or? He, if I'm right, he got his black belt before UFC one. It was in. Um, when did when was UFC one? It was November twelfth, nineteen ninety three. Ninety three. I thought it was ninety three. Wow. Yeah. So I think well. he got, did he get his belt in the late eighties or he was training in the late eighties anyway for sure. Early nineties. Um, yeah. So he was. I think it's so amazing how far this sport has progressed, and I'd love your take on it because when I look at mixed martial arts, and you know, I was literally a fan and pretty much. Don't have a sip of your coffee, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Please drink away. Well, yeah, it started. You just you could just buy the VHS tapes. Yeah, you could like, buy the, <laughs> and I would watch. The story is that I I actually stole the first. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't really steal it. I borrowed it and forgot to give it back. I remember yeah. being a kid it's and seeing an kind of interview with Tank Abbott, and they were like, "All right, how did you train for this?" And he goes, "I just went to a bunch of bars and got in a bunch of fights." <laughs> and it was like, "What?" It has this? evolved a little bit since then. Well, that's a, that's yeah. the take on it. It's crazy when you look back at the skill sets. I mean, I think like someone back at UFC one and God bless this is not me being mean at all, but like their skill sets in twenty twenty would they probably couldn't even fight amateur. You know what I'm saying? Maybe well Royce Gracie and something like that. He's Except a, Mr. Royce Gracie. He, that is he'd a still doing clean legend. house today. He's still doing <laughs> I, house I agree. Today. I don't doubt that for a second. One hundred percent I'm just saying how far it's no, progressed. Yeah. You got these kids now that are two, three, four years old and they're already learning how to hit mitts. Yes. And you're like, you are gonna be terrifying when yes. you're 17 years old yeah because it's funny like i had my first wave of fighters obviously connor's the most famous and he's 31 now and he 31 i didn't know okay yeah and i had a bunch of them connor and um i'll be listening as people won't know but basically they all started with me when they were 17 18 and i've kind of gone through that journey with them but now i have my next wave of guys who are who started with me when they're you know 11 years of age 12 years of age and they're just hitting 20 now and I'm looking at the skills that those guys have at 20 that right. compared to Connor at 20. And, you know, my own, of course, my own understanding of it. I have much more experience in, in, in MMA and coaching and understanding. It's, it's just amazing. Uh, it's grown exponentially, you know, the, the skill sets. How much, how much of this do you think is, is like nature versus nurture in a sense of like a person's raw ability that they come into the gym with? Like they're just innate genetic. The raw violence that they yeah. have inside them. and like. how much they can train to compensate for their lack of ability. Like, what do you think? Yeah, so, I mean, you, you I, I think there's kind of two things that's out of your uh, grasp, and that is IQ. Yeah. You know, yeah. You, some people are just stupid, unfortunately. Right. And then genetics. Yeah. You know, a mix of fast and slow twitch, and you can get around a lot of it. Um, it's what it's one of the things I love about MMA. Like I, I'd be, I'd hate to be a hundred meter uh, sprinting coach because you can kind of just tell right away with somebody. Got it. Like you right. can do, you have to do one thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's that too. But I also feel like it's so genetic driven that it's almost kind of pointless. Like you know, yeah, there's oh, not a lot right. of training that you it's, can do to improve somebody to run hundred yeah, meters. Yeah, there's there's a hardware issue that if that person right. doesn't have certain hardware. You know, almost like being, say, a basketball player. Yeah. yeah. If someone's five foot two, it's unlikely they're going to get too far in the NBA, right? Yeah. Whereas I lo love about fighting is is that we have weight classes. 
So we right small guy, big guy, or you're McGregor and don't really have weight classes. You just knock <laughs> up people in three of them. First yeah. person ever to knock out uh, three people in three different ways classes. Question for you: What is it? Is, can you train someone to be violent? I feel like that's when you're talking about like a skill set because there's like genetics, there's athleticism, there's you know conditioning over their whole life. But like, yeah, natural aggression. Like, how how do you teach someone that's like? Because I've had that problem where I'll jab. So I'm like, shit, sorry, in the gym, right, you know. Right. Like, is there ways? And if that's a secret sauce, don't tell me. But do you think that violence translate more like the people? Because I've seen that in lower levels of MMA, people bulldoze over their people basically because they're like putting my head to your chest and I'm crushing you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I would prefer the term uh, competitive. Competitive. Okay, than, sorry. Than violence competitive. because I think if you're going in in with an attitude of being violent. You're going to fight with emotion. You're going to be em- em- emotionally a vulnerable. Uh, you'll you'll be vulnerable. Yeah, you'll you'll be inefficient. Yeah. You'll tend to overexert because you're angry at the person. It was yeah, actually yeah. somewhat part of the, this training camp was talking about that. I have a, a very strange saying that I said: uh, "Love beats revenge." Because the last fight I felt was about revenge, whereas this fight was about love, love of love of competing, love of the sport, love of MMA. So, we're, you know, Donald Cerrone, I mean, you're not going to go in and try to be violent with Donald Cerrone or be angry at Donald Cerrone. He's such a nice guy, you know, right. legend yeah. of the sport. So um, so you want to be a technician. And then you do have to have a very strong competitive drive. Like I had one of my fighters, uh, Canadian. So he's Canadian, so you can guess he's a nice guy. Yeah. 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 Oops, sorry. <laughs> uh, Brad Catone, a, a great fighter. And uh, he's, like, he's an engineer. He's a super smart guy. And so nice. But... He will, he will be able to flick the switch to be as competitive as he can possibly be and willing to do whatever it takes to win. And I think that is something that you have to find in yourself. And maybe I didn't have that. And that's why I was kind of – like I remember I was in a fight once and I was like kind of hitting the guy and I was almost like, no, no, you got to put your hand here because my, my whole life is like coaching. And I was like, no, right. you're doing that yeah. wrong. Put your freaking hand here. <laughs> Pivot your hips and grab <laughs> your wrist. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You got this is the octagon <laughs> telling the guy how to take him yeah. out. <laughs> Um, so I think that I think I probably had that. Like I didn't quite have that competitive drive, but I have it for I have it for coaching. Like I'm super Got it. competitive about, about coaching, but I didn't have it for myself as a competitor. That's interesting. You know, I've spent a decent amount of time with Greg Jackson. If you know that from, of course, of course, uh, for my personal relationship, great guy. And what always was so bizarre about him was wasn't necessarily the technicalities of what he was good at in the sport, but it was kind of the psychological approach that he almost, in lack of, of a better term, but like was a therapist for a lot of these fighters and worked through their emotions, um, growing as an individual. And so much of that translated to the cage and becoming a better fighter because you had to be emotionally intelligent, understand yourself. Why do you react certain ways? How do you react when you get punched in the face? Can you stay cool? Like, is that is that kind of part of your success? Because, I mean, I'd arguably, well, you're one of the best known coaches right now and you had a hyper successful career coaching. Mm. Like, I, I would think that there has to be some form of mentorship or... Yeah, I mean, at, at, at this level, I mean, at, at Greg's level, who's many levels above me, you're dealing with guys that are coming in that are already fantastic. Like, Greg's day is not spent telling John Jones how to throw a jab, you know? Right. It, it, is re- it does really come down to the other stuff. You know, you have, like, the, the technical side of MMA and then other stuff. And other stuff can include your... Your fighter's relationships outside the gym. Yeah, you know, girlfriend broke up with him. Yeah. He's twenty years old and went out and get drunk and punched him in the face at the bar. And you're like, sweet, we're yes. not working on jabs today. We're working <laughs> on life coaching. Yeah, and it's funny because people say that to me. You know, when there's a big fight coming up, 
And they're like, oh, who have you got? Who, who do you think is going to win? And it's like, it's so hard to tell because I don't know if that guy just got dumped by his girl from Fight right. Week or if he's, you know. What kind of mental state he's yeah. in, anything like that. Yeah. yeah. All that stuff. And there's a, there's a, a re. Um, Affecting concentration, focus, everything. I got, uh, Steve Collins was a, like, a, like a great Irish boxer. Um, he, and I, I'm, I'm friends with his brother, Pascal Coskins. Uh, he, he runs a warrior, uh, Celtic Warriors boxing gym. And I got him in to do a talk with my fighters. And he always said, and he's, this guy is multiple time world champion. That he would rather have a fighter who was 50% physically ready, but 100% mentally ready, rather than the other way around. Because I've sense. seen guys that are just like absolutely peaking physically, and something happens out of your control, fight week or, or day of, and this person just becomes a pussycat and just cannot pull the trigger. And then the other, the other way around as well. Somebody with like just didn't train or, or something's some really gone bad yeah. with the physical side of training. But they're just on. And I, th- I think that's why I love this sport so much because I draw so many parallels between, like, being a soldier and going to combat and those training environments to the MMA world. Because, you know, Evan was talking about do you cross-train as a coach? Like, him and I both in different capacities were instructors at one point in our careers. And it was always, like, how to be I become a better instructor. And you learn from your students, of course, because yes. sometimes students pull shit out of their ass that they didn't even know was genius. But then also, like you know, creating a network of people that think and act differently than you and then applying those tactics to have better resolve in your own and then understanding that each individual is different. So, like, I think that's why I'm, like, fucking get so amped up when I saw it. I was like, oh, shit, I'm, like, curious if the MMA is the same way as, like, how we do shit in the military. Yeah, coaching is coaching, right? You know, like, I I, I, I try to surround myself with people that are a lot better than me and that's not hard for me to find, which which is good. But I, I don't – if it's somebody that's in finance or somebody that's in a different sport completely, right. there's certain ways of doing things that are better than others. And so I've been lucky to be able to be exposed to those in, in all different areas. Yeah. I would see it all the time like like where when you're teaching um, close quarters combat or when you're like going through houses with rifles shooting targets and fighting essentially. You, you're watching – I would watch – hundreds of guys do iterations over the years like and thousands of iterations and then you have a couple guys where you're like this fucking dude is on a different level like everything like, mechanics of every his weapons, fucking thing like this dude is precision. a different level i can yeah. tell you how many guys i put through the house that have like struck me like lightning they're like two where you're like that fucking guy is he's in a different processing plane. and understanding yeah. his processing speed level, like, yes everything is fucking like like hyper in tune, he can think through problems four layers deep. Like he fucking he gets it. So like would you would you it. would you put that down to him being talented, or the, that he just got more better training hours or better? No, I think I think it's IQ, like you said, IQ. It's, it's IQ. a combination like, of yes. like IQ, but then there's there's also athleticism in this, right? right. So Motor it's like skills, athleticism, general genetics of like bandage. You got a gift from your parents, right? It's like, hey, dude, you know, IQ you didn't you didn't have like a one of the fucking weird claw claw hands like you, you had a regular claw or you had a regular hand right like weird thanks. analogy but we got but it but you see what i mean right i mean they, <laughs> you don't got them chernobyl hands yeah you don't look like a Fuck fucking it. you don't look like a fucking crab you have like normal hands good for your parents whatever they didn't smoke crack i don't know i'm saying is it's like Are you, you have this guy that has like general athleticism meaning he's gifted athletically it's also strong because it takes a lot of fucking strength. They're smart, but then there's something else. It's like 
There are guys that I know that are fucking incredibly talented. Programming athletes, and thinking. Really fucking strong. And they're really smart. And they can't fucking do it. Right. For whatever reason, they're just not putting the pieces together. So it's like, I there, there's like some guys where you're like, man, there's something special with you and this thing. Mm. This is your thing. This is your thing in life. I mean, and it was hard at times because you can bring a bunch of guys up to like 70, 80%, right? You can bring up, like you can, you can lift the tide on all these fucking dudes. Right. But then you get like just those iteration guys, after iteration. Yeah, you get those guys that you're like, you just fucking get it, and everything clicks. Like I can, I can dump a bunch of energy into you, and you're gonna be fucking incredible. Mm-hmm. Or I can dump all that energy into fucking all these hundred and other fucking motherfuckers. Like you don't have the ability in the military most of the time to do that, but you can see things with guys where you're like. You just got to clean up a few things here, man, and you're going to be a fucking ninja. Holy shit, you're going to be... If you stay out of the way of the RPGs, you're going to fucking kill <laughs> yeah. a lot of dudes. If you don't get <laughs> shot in the face and eat an yeah. EMP bomb... You're going to kill a lot of motherfuckers. Make sure you don't get hit by an ID. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, do I don't you, care how, how many, talented you are. How many are? of those guys do you see? Like, in your career, there has... Like, do you see that? Have you seen, seen that in your career? Like, that fucking guy. Yeah, d- definitely. Um, but I am... A, like, I hate just saying somebody is talented or yeah, because it, it almost makes my role uh you know what what's the point of a coach then like you have to be able to rep here, here's what here's the point I, i'd like yeah. to make in this is that i've always noticed that there's something that person's been doing different than others yeah and one of the things that stood out with me for me with connor early on was that when he when he drilled when he trained it was different than anybody had ever seen before and what he was doing so different than anybody else was, you know, whatever number of people is in this room. But I was teaching a jiu-jitsu class, and I show a technique, <clears throat> and, you, you know, okay, guys, you know, take five minutes there, drill it back and forward, rep it out, and you'd see two people doing it, and they're kind of, you know, they're doing it, but maybe one's kind of thinking about the argument he had with his girlfriend, and, right. you know, two people over there, they're, like, chatting or whatever. With Connor, from the start, every rep he did was in the T-Mobile arena with 22,000 people watching, it was a pay-per-view main event, and it was to the death. You know, wow. this guy's trying to kill me. He had this level of intensity with every single training session, and he's not lost that. I mean, you know, I'm with him, what have we now, 14 odd years ago, wow. and um, he, he's just had that since the start. And that's what I, I've had. I'm very lucky that I've had a few of those guys that I've, I've dealt with, and that's what I've always noticed about those people is that they're they're they may have the same number of hours on the mat as other people, and you go, well, he's trained. 10,000 hours. He's trained 10,000 hours. Why is he so much better than that one? Right. And from my experience, it's that person just has an ability to block out everything that's going on outside right. their life and has a, a kind of a laser focus. And it, it had a big effect on me. I, I, I kind of jokingly say now, every time I step, every time I'm stepping on the mat, I say to myself, this class is going to be the best class I've ever coached. And it's going to be the best class anybody on my mat has ever taken. And I do that every fucking session that I do. And uh, I certainly got a lot of that from from observing him. Wow, it's fucking awesome. Yeah, that's my dick's right. hard right now. <laughs> <laughs> if I didn't just pull my hamstring walking briskly down the hallway, I would do jujitsu with you right now, Evan. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I mean, like, but as all of us have been in an instructor role, you've you've seen this before. People that put themselves in the scenarios from time one, whether it's a minute skill that you're teaching, you know, that may be rudimentary or whether it's an advanced skill, you had those guys that were out there that were like, this is the most important thing to me ever right now. 
and those dudes fucking went on to do some pretty crazy shit. So I have, I have that's a good segue because I have a question for you that another one out of the nine hundred I have. But like the thing I didn't like about Big Army, the military was Big Army doctrine, meaning this is exactly how you reload your weapon. Because I am a committed guy that was like, I'm going to go get shot at. I should be fucking great at my job so I don't die and my friends don't die. And so I've always, like, done things a little bit differently that work for me because, you know, my arms might be longer and all of that. And I feel like some coaches do that in MMA where, like, this is how you throw a punch. But I think, like, I look at, like, a John Jones type kind of guy. Like, he's very unorthodox. And then when you have coaches that recognize just pure innate skill and being able to put something together, training those techniques, is that – do you treat every fighter as an individual like, wow, that dude can throw a fucking back out like a spinning elbow. Maybe we should drill that a little more and, like – that dude just broke someone's nose with a shoulder. Maybe that's a take. Yeah, that was a stupid question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, God, those are really mean. And when he pulled his face off, just bloody, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, 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 it's a very good question. I'm lucky that, like I said, I came from a, uh, a lineage with uh, under Matt Torrent and an SVG. And the coaching was always the, the, the philosophy was always the same, that our job, my role is to build a foundation. But it, the, we give the fighters the room for creativity then. So listen, the, there is certain ways of doing things. And we, want, we make things as simple as we can, but no simpler than it should be. And there's certain things that I, we need to know that they can do. Escape the mount position. You, you know, slip a punch. There's, there's certain things like that. But then after that, you've got to kind of step back. And it's called martial arts for a reason. There is an art to it. There is right. a creativity to it. And you've got to let that person spread their wings a little bit. Yeah, I feel like that totally makes sense. And I think some of the most creative guys, even like Tony Ferguson right now, it's like you can't train for a guy to do things like that. It's like I feel like he's like a crazy person that just wants to do spins and all that. But uh, that's crazy. You can can believe because you will get guys like like say uh, use Tony as an example. You'll get like a a beginning fighter and he will watch his videos or watch some of his techniques and, and try to do them and kind of get lost a little bit in the noise. Rather, but you can be guaranteed that Tony has incredibly strong fundamentals. Fundamentals, for sure. Incredibly strong basics in all the area that if, if, if shit starts going south, he can rely on that. He can fall back on his skill set, you know. Um, you can take this quote, you can't paint a picture without a canvas. That's a really bad quote, so you shouldn't have that. <laughs> but it's like always falling back in the fundamentals. I think the same thing with like marksmanship and all that. It's like being able to like reload your weapon and, and do the certain things and then yeah. be creative with the approach yeah. to that based on the circumstance you're in because every circumstance is drastically different. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What's a fundamental? Oh, I, won't, I won't get the quote. What's uh, man has one like fundamentals? Well, what, what you just said. I took a filmmaking course recently, and the guy had said, "If you're gonna, if you're gonna break the rules, you better, you better have your safeties, your fallbacks." Okay. He's like, so he's not saying he's saying, you know, Steven Spielberg has been known to f- break every rule known right. to man, right? But the dude knew how to make a film first right and made sure that he had his safety nets first before he started experimenting yeah. and pushing into the art yeah and there's something as well i, I push with my guys you know you, you know say boxing you know hands up chin down elbows in 
so that's that's a rule but i i don't believe there's rules i only think there's warnings that i've seen connor put his hands behind his back in a fight that's obviously <laughs> that's something hey day one guys <laughs> put your hands behind your back do you ever have those oh fuck moments as a coach you're like no please don't stop stop no like don't no come on. just <laughs> i feel like if i because i've cornered two people i don't in remember my life, teaching like, that uh, yeah no <laughs> Do you, do you, have you ever had that? You don't say what fight or anything, but like, have you ever had those oh fuck moments? You're like, I swear to God, don't do that ever again. Because <laughs> that, like, because you get in between the rounds and you get to corner them and give them that advice and yeah. you got to be collected. But, um, well, the, the, sorry, the point I was going to make yes, is, is that I try not to say that there's a rule, like, do this. I, I say that there's warnings. So there's warnings about putting your hand behind your back. You can get punched in the face. Right. But it's not a rule because, right. like, there, in, in the particular example I'm talking about, it paid off. Right. Like it, mm-hmm. it got a good result. But there is a, <laughs> like I said, there's strong warnings for certain positions, but I don't believe there's any rules because, especially with MMA, MMA is still such a, a young sport. Right. It's only, what is it now, 27 years or something old. Um, yep. So it's still very, very new. We're still figuring this out. Yeah. Like even, you know, myself and the likes of Greg Jackson and all those guys, we're still all in our 40s and we're the old guy in the gym now, you know, whereas in, say, in boxing, there's such a legacy of boxing. You've right. 80-year-old gnarly guys. I want to be that guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, there's just been generations and generations. They really know kind of what works there. And uh, I feel with MMA, we're still only finding out. I love that warning comment. That's fucking brilliant because if you looked at everything in the black and white manner of you never put your hands behind your back in a fight, that's the dumbest shit you could ever do. Black and white, right? But then it's like, okay, because I believe that was in the Eddie Alvarez fight. And what he was doing is he was baiting him in, I would imagine, for him to throw some sloppy punches and move forward, which sets up that counter left, which put that beautiful four-piece combo together. You're not just a pretty face, huh? Hey, I like MMA. <laughs> but they, but it's weird because if you live in the black and, right spec, black and white spectrum, I think that's that's throughout life. There's no correct answer for everyone's situation. It's based off of, like, you know, intuition and reading the room and having that IQ of, like, okay, this is where this might play out. Whereas, you know, like, there was a rule book and you had to say one thing. Yes. It would say, don't put your fucking hands behind your back in a yes. fight, you know? Yeah. I think that's the first one. It's the first one. You open yeah. up the MMA coaching encyclopedia. It's point one. Yeah, don't, don't catch punches your with your face. <laughs> Can I get some more whiskey, sir? Proper twelve, it's, please. It's very similar. So you know, as tacticians, like you know, the tactics don't change necessarily as much as the techniques, right? So it's like as you start moving from like you know doctrine and strategy and things like that, you have your main mission that you're trying to accomplish. You can change your techniques like underwear as long as they're effective. So we're changing our techniques and modifying them based on the circumstance. That's, that's just a person being a tactician. Like, how do I accomplish this? Well, you know what? If, if I only have a fucking one-man mortar team, and, but I got to implement mortars into the fucking into the fight, hey, dude, looks like we got to try to figure out a one-man mortar team to get mortars in the fight. Like, if I got to load my yeah. weapon up here or down here, but we have all these rules, and I think these guys that have, like, trained a lot, and I mean, fuck, a thousands of hours of training and reps of like you know drawing pistols and shooting targets and fucking you know all these different scenarios that were put like the best scenarios that i've ever been put in you have to start somewhere right you can't start varying from the script for instance in shooting unless you know how to shoot if you know how to cut paper 
then you can start moving down the script. You can start drawing under this this circumstance, and you can start moving a little bit. You can start drawing in from a different area. You can start shooting at night. You start adding all the variables, and then you start fighting on top of it, right? Then you start really adding movement and circumstance and a bunch of the low light fucking gas and a bunch of the crazy ass shit. And then pretty yeah. soon, like now, this gets like really fun. Like training gets really fun, but if you don't have the basics, you you can't just start in the middle of a fucking at night with I even you know, hate I even hate using that word right because when I'm if I'm showing something and I say okay this is a basic I know right away there's a there's a kind of yin yang to that that someone goes oh so there's an advanced move right so why are we right. doing the basic Let, show me the advanced move because right. that's the one that's going to work so uh, again I'm glad I came fundamental from yeah fundamental yeah. fundamental so that's but the word also I like once, to use once you have those fundamentals becoming flexive and responsive in every situation that's where Be, you're gonna because boom. you're shoving a bunch that's of fundamentals stuff. with timing yes yeah, because that's equal to skill I, I swear to God like the yeah. way you're talking and the way I've been talking like I, I I truly believe if people understood the parallels between fighting like in war and and mixed martial arts you know special operations units work he works special operations units and like. All of those fundamentals, because you can treat the basics, right? Battle drill six, inner building, clear room. But no one ever prepared you for the guy to put, like, a cord against the door and be hiding behind prayer mats. It's like you have to react so fast and fall back on your fucking fundamentals to be like, shoot the muzzle flash that's firing at me at fucking six feet away. And it's like everything encompassing translates to that one moment, and it's up to that IQ to react based off the skill sets that you learn to look across the way. And it's like there's so many variables and there's so many dynamics associated with it, but it comes down to that one moment and that one ability for that individual to function at a what, very what high level. What do you level. guys do to train? so as to keep your fine motor skills when there's that level where your heart rate is there and your adrenaline is there. Oh, that's it. I, I would love to see you put John through one of your I would. in-house pieces. Like, well, there's something I can... So is it just exposure to it? I can or? say it was in my book. There, there's a drill. I won't say the name, but uh, essentially it's a great, and maybe it could translate to mixed martial arts, but what you do is you're... Say, see this table here? So we have about, what, three feet by three feet? You can't leave that. I put a bandana over your face you can't see anything and i give you a rifle and loud metallica music is playing that that sets up that comes up you have to react to the scenario every scenario will be completely different so first scenario you might have six protesters nonviolent, but they're yelling at you unarmed so shoot them quick yeah yeah, there you go you would fail (laughs) no uh and then the next scenario you might have three armed people shooting at you with civilians and so you're like working those reaction times and being able to decipher very complex situations in a matter of moments and making them minutes in your head and then translating to the proactive appropriate approach to those circumstances and it takes years and years of training and i think a lot of people i've seen dudes that were High-level operators fail that drill terribly just because their brains don't wire that way. And mm. but they might be the best sniper because they know how to run a dope through their head and they know how to, like, really calculate math. And so it all, all of this, I think, just as a human comes back to, like, core competencies and where you fit in the grand spectrum. And that was a really long-winded thing. But, like... So uh, let's say the point I, made, I, did, I don't think I asked it uh, very well there, so let me reword it. Like, uh, we all know, any, uh, anybody who's an MMA coach knows of a gym legend, that he's just killer, amazing in the gym, but then Saturday night just can't perform. And, you know, I, I've been through this many, many times where you're, you're, you're training with somebody, but you never know really how they're going to react until it's fight night. And then they walk out there, and whether it's in front of 500 people yeah. or uh, 10,000 people, some, very few, I would say about five in every hundred actually get better, and then 95 out of 100 go about four or five levels below their gym 
ability. So what I was what, what I was really asking ah, was for it. you guys, <clears throat> and for what I'm doing is nothing. We're going in there, and the worst thing that can happen is you get punched in the face. You know, you get arm barred, you look silly in front of your girlfriend, something like that. But for you guys, the worst thing that happen is death. So I I can't even begin to imagine the level of uh, like all these stress hormones rushing through your body. Well, where I think you, you can't freaking tie your shoelaces because your fine motor skills are just gone out the window. I think you. So answer. no matter how much training yeah. you do. It must be very hard to replicate actually live rounds. Oh, it's impossible. Yeah, I think you answered your own question in that. I think it's the same way, right? It's like you can be the best dude under combat stress-induced situations that is not actual combat. It's like why ranger school exists, like things that are made to make you hungry, so tired that you have to function under these drastic, drastic situations. But going to war is like fighting on you know at you know madison square garden right. and when those bullets start flying i've seen dudes that are like amazing operators or whatever you want to call them in training th- fuck it that's really, real yeah. i'm gonna die and they're 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 just training. like they're one third of the man you, they were you in used training. to have a saying you used to have a saying for this didn't you like i, re- I remember like four years ago you had something about what when people show, showed their true colors in a gunfight I can't remember. Like, that. see that drill you're yeah. talking about. Let's yeah. say you you give it, you put it on me, you know, to make a funny YouTube video of me being terrified. You do good. But the point is, like, I know on the back of my brain, you're going you're to look after me. You yeah, know, I'm not you're gonna not going to get hurt. hurt. Like, no matter what scenario pops up, you're not going to shoot me in the face. But well, the, the worst thing you'll get hit with some paintball rounds and be like, ow, that hurts, but you're fine. Ouchie. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, I've been made look ridiculous many, many times. But then when you're going from that to actually, like, when I open this door and walk in, I might be shot in the face. That's such a disparity between it, your training environment and real agreed. life. Because, I, like in my gym, I have where I have my cage. I have a, I have a wall, and I put on it. It costs quite a bit of money. I put on a, a crowd. It's an audience. I've got ten. Uh, like about oh, five like a wrap. Yeah. Oh, cool. So when when my fighters walk into the cage, they see yeah, they a see thousand it. people staring at them. And I'll yeah. play crowd music. Right. I'll make bad decisions while I'm refereeing them. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. You know, we I actually, never thought about that. That's we cool. Had a, a dear friend of ours, Carl Townswell, he used to actually use theatrical blood. He'd put like theatrical blood oh, on the face nice. and stuff. So, you know, you can get to the stage where it's quite quite representative of of reality. But for you guys you go from something that's completely safe to something that's death. It's so it's Yeah. So, I just there's, I'd be there's so an curious in between how you guys there, train though. though. There's an in between, like where like thousands of repetitions and things like that where you'd set up I set up thousands of scenarios for guys and you have these little these little pellets that you shoot called simunitions at each other and you 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 set up the worst scenarios that are fucking really painful for people right and you put them into these scenarios where they're not going to win they're not going to win like they're just going to they, they're going to shovel shit through this entire scenario. It's going to be fucking really painful. And you're going to do this like for days and days and days on end. And what you do is you start to look for all the weaknesses and flaws in their game. You start to look for the people that really basically go catatonic. Get defeated. Because if they're catatonic in this, right. when shit goes really pear-shaped, they won't be able to function. Like it's – they just – you know they will not be able to function. It's not as if you can like turn on, you know, Medal of Honor type, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, action valor. Yeah, you can't do it. it it's not action. something that. It's not like the movies, right? It just doesn't fucking work like that. Right. Like I'm gonna take a grocery store a bagger and all of a sudden it's Jason Bourne. Like, yeah. no, nah, that shit doesn't work, man. But you got to shove them into the fucking darkest, nastiest psychological fucking hole. 
and put so much fucking heat on them and then you and then you start to build them back into this like start training them right a little bit and then right. the guys that just can't fucking do it man you, you, you know and pizza when, delivery is you, a good profession if, for if some you've guys. Got, if you've gone through that type of training and they go away and they 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 perform under the under the bright lights do you continue that style oh yeah yeah because it's perishable so it's very yeah. perishable. Okay. You have your experiences that you can rely on. But I, I've, count, I've talked to multiple guys where it's like. That'd be like giving me a gun and saying, hey, Matt, go back to Ranger Battalion right now and run with the team. I'd be like, going to need yeah. about three months to practice. Because, <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely a perishable skill. There's yeah. like, And, it, and there's a rust. rhythm. There's a whole fucking rhythm to it. Like, and if you're not in the rhythm, like, it takes you a while. Like, you got to build back into it. You can't just, like. Like drop yourself in the middle of Mosul and start getting it on. It, it ain't a, like gonna get a easier way into right, it. Right. And, like I'd hit confidence targets with guys, and they confidence targets would be like chances of us getting shot on this or not, not high. But you guys are gonna run it, and like I'm not gonna real. tell you. Right. I'm not gonna tell you that your chances aren't gonna. <laughs> that you're not gonna get shot, <laughs> but and then you start building confidence. You start working your way in through it. But I would imagine it's very similar to. Fighting. So with, uh, the reason I, I was just thinking about it for myself, like, so I definitely would. The, the this, it's very interesting. You said, you know, you, you put them in a situation, you know, they're going to lose. So in uh, coaching a fighter, most of my time, I almost describe my job as confidence building. That's that's really all I'm about. It's just I just build confidence in people. But certainly at the beginning, I do want to see them in a losing environment in the gym. For two, you know, really for themselves, because I'd rather that they felt that in a safe environment where I can get them a hug afterwards and rather than in front of 5,000 people, seeing them, you know, for the first time deal with a situation they know they're losing and see how they're going to react to it. But once I have done that, once I've seen that they can do that, I actually want the training just to be confidence building then from then on. Like I wouldn't see, in my world, I wouldn't see the value in continuing to put them through that after I'd seen that the they can do it we're saying the same thing okay i just didn't yeah. complete it as well which is you you stuff them into a deep psychological box of fucking misery and pain for a, a minimal amount of time until it's beneficial and then at the point where it's like it's beneficial and you can see who's fucking who's losing they're they're tapping out in the game of this just fucking sucks and i can't suck like how much i want to know how much somebody can suck i want to know right right and then you get rid of that weak shit, right? You dump all that trash off your boat. And you know guys are going to have what it takes to fucking come back up the other side. And then they don't fucking lose. You don't put them into losing scenarios unless it's like very minimal where there's a very distinct learning lesson after that. Mm. But once you've shoved the fucking enough shit down their throat where you can get rid of all the weakness, then you can like move them back up the hill. That's very interesting. Look at that. <laughs> Yeah. Well, we can uh, we can cut this one short. I'm sure you got plenty of stuff to do in Vegas. Oh, shit, um, sir. No, no, we're we're good. But I do want to say this about you, John. Is I've been a fan of the camp, obviously, of a lot of your fighters. But I think a true man is judged by his character, and you've been a phenomenal individual the last day or so. And being able to hang out with you was an absolute pleasure. And so, thank you for that. And if you guys don't know who John is, check out where where can people check out your gym, your social media, and all that stuff. Um, SBGIreland.com, and uh, say hello. Can you do that in, in an American accent? 
well, if you go to no, okay. <laughs> 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 Is that like my like, hey guys, check me out. It's like SBG, like Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> well, congrats on all your success, and I wish you even more in the future. And if you are ever in the States, uh, we will be your second family away from home. Anything you need from us. So thank you so much, brother. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate Thanks, you coming man. on. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Home.